Who's back there? You. I'm looking for Dr. March. He's not here, Batman. Where is he? Giving a lecture on human extinction and bat evolution. He's really quite brilliant. He's misguided and a thief. He's just a theorist. He was afraid to put it to the test. But I wasn't. I knew we'd discovered a formula to create a totally new species. Neither man nor bat. And once I started taking it, I couldn't stop. I desperately wanted to. But it took over. Francine and March tried to protect me. But it was too late. The beast knew what chemicals were needed to bring itself about. It was out of my control. And it only needs one more component to complete the process. It's in me, Batman. <laughs> Batman Universe Commentaries, brought to you by TheBatmanUniverse.net. Join the staff of The Batman Universe as we watch another exciting incarnation of the Cape Crusader from his extensive media library. And welcome to the Batman Universe Commentaries. And for this episode, we are talking about the very first uh, pilot episode of Batman the Animated Series on Leather Wings. My name is Donovan, and joining me today is... Dustin. And um, before we get into it, do we want to say anything about this premiere episode? It started, um, I forget exactly what month, but I know it started in 1992. This is obviously uh, the first episode of what, what led to be a very, very, very prolific vision of Batman. And um, is there anything you want to say about it before we just just dive right in and get into our thoughts while we watch the episode? Well, I, I just will say this. I, you know, it's a, I want to say, first off, it's kind of a shame that we didn't do this a lot earlier because we've done a, a ridiculous amount of Batman the Animated Series episodes. We probably should have done this one first. But for the this very first episode, you know, it aired in September of 1982. That's right. And uh, basically, I mean, it, it kind of puts in perspective what exactly the show is about. Um, it's it's not necessarily, you know, um, a montage of all the villains we're going to see. As as the show progresses, more villains are shown and more sh- more villains are showcased, even, even in some cases some villains are created. But this was an interesting pick specifically focusing on Man-Bat. Um, but I'll say a lot of what I have to say right before it, uh, when we actually do the commentary. But I think that... Uh, 
overall, I mean, I, I obviously have seen this episode in the past. I think it's an interesting episode. I know Fox must have really enjoyed it because they used a lot of the scenes from this for a lot of the promos for Batman the Animated Series throughout the run on Fox. I remember that, yeah. So, needless to say, I think that... Uh, Everybody was pleased by it, and there's no question of why it got a uh, you know a season pickup. Yeah, um, talking for me, uh, I really like it. It's funny; I don't remember seeing this episode a lot uh, when it was reruns back in the Fox Kids. When I got the DVDs, I remember seeing this episode for the first time in a long time. Obviously, I've had the DVDs for a long several years now, but um, it's really striking. Um, obviously, I think there are you know there are episodes I enjoy more than this, but I think this is actually a very good episode, especially for. Uh, just like the the premiere of how they're going to do Batman, there are really cool bits in here, and um, we'll probably get into it as we get on the episode. Their their approach towards making this episode, and it's interesting to think of like the different animated versions of Batman before this. I mean, obviously you had the Super Friends. That's probably the most uh, uh, famous one. You had the 1968 Filmation series, which was basically the animated version of the 60s series. And then you had like a later one where Adam West and Burt Ward voiced Batman, and they had Batman, and it was it was about probably the goofiest version of Batman um, until Superman and the Bull. Even then, it was probably goofier. So, kind of keeping in mind, you know, yeah, you had the Burton films, but every other animated version of Batman before then was really, really kid-friendly and honestly, like, like detrimentally silly at times. So this must have been like, you know, just I honestly can't imagine what it would have been like seeing this for the first time when it first aired. So uh, it's interesting to kind of keep that in note, uh, keep that in mind, and you know, it still stands on its own. Uh, 20 years later. So uh, that's all the preamble we shall do. Um, you guys know the drill. Grab whatever food you'd like to grab and eat. Uh, and then we'll count down to number three before we press play and begin. We are pause at zero, zero. So um, I will count down backwards and then we'll get started. All right. Three, two, one, play. And again, we've we've talked about this before on, on past commentaries, but this being the first time we see, you know, the intro sequence. Again, I only imagine how this intro sequence was for people who, uh, because there's no text, there's no like Batman words in there. It's just kind of you know all visual. One of the the little known facts about this episode that. Uh when I researched the episode a couple of years back was that even though this was the pilot episode, even though this was the very first episode that was made, it wasn't actually the first episode that aired. Mm-hmm. The first episode that aired was, uh, the cat and claw part one, I believe. Which is incredibly disappointing to realize <laughs> because that's not, that's not the best episode they had. But I think the reason why was because the success of, uh, Batman returns that, previous summer was probably the reason why they aired that episode first. That's right. Um, and kind of talking about the title cards, we mentioned before how they, they kind of evoke the sense of many movies, but, you know, kind of thinking about it uh, in terms of, like, this is a lot more of a comic book version of Batman compared to the movies, those title cards could be seen as sort of like, you know, uh, sort of speak, uh, coverage to comic books. Maybe maybe not. I'm not, I'm not sure if everybody's actually said that, but, like, they, they do kind of serve that purpose. Said that that's Kevin Conroy voicing the pilot there. Yep, one of the few other characters he voiced in the show. And we got a big check for us. And this is also um, I, I, hey, it's a Man Bat episode. Um, 
which is say this is the first appearance of Mem. I don't know. Has Mem not appeared in any other animated series? Do you know of? Yes, after this series, yes, he was in the Batman. Okay. Um, that's the only one that I, I that comes to mind. But I know that he was in fact in the Batman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As I said before, I've not seen. I, I, I've actually seen very little, comparatively speaking, of the, the Batman. So I wasn't sure if he had shown up there. He's a fairly easy villain to, to adapt, I think. But um, he's one of those villains that like didn't appear until like the Daniel O'Neill run in the seventies, and there is a certain like affinity for that that era, the Bronze Age Batman era in this show, with you know they're using Rachel Ghoul and other villains. But um, this is I do know that they, they went with Man Bat for this pilot because this is one of those villains that wasn't well known through the sixties show or the movies, and they said they wanted to use this to kind of evoke the style they were going forward to kind of really capture all facets of Batman's uh, comic book history. If you notice, it's, like, particularly dark in this in this episode. Like, almost like you're kind of looking at it with all the lights off. Yep. Lots of shadows. But I think that's setting the tone for what the show is supposed to be. You know, it's, it's meant to be a darker show. It's not meant to be a show that's, you know, light and happy like all of the previous incarnations of Batman in animated form. Yeah, it's almost like the t- the top of the screen is like just dimmed, which I think is kind of kind of cool. It's the first appearance of uh, Gordon, and I guess the first appearance of uh, Harvey Bullock, which is obviously care from comics, but like you know, to, for, for a new audience, this is kind of like invoking uh, how the Gotham City Police Department operates. They're not always on the same page, which I think is kind of cool. And uh, that guy there, uh, the mayor. Hamilton Hill. He was the mayor in the comics uh, in the in the eighties, I think. He actually was sort of in league with Rupert Thorne and helped uh, get Gordon to resign. There's actually an interesting storyline uh, in the eighties, like during like kind of the early Jason Todd days, and it kind of showed uh, when they actually started reading the comics. The the producers of the show. Uh oh. I wonder who that guy's going to be. What's great about that is this is another one of those things where the show, as the show progresses from season to season, you see actual continuity within the show itself. The fact that Harvey Dent is not Two-Face yet. You know that there's an episode later on that he becomes Two-Face. There's a lot of interesting things that uh, that happen throughout the series of the show, even with, later on with the addition of uh, Tim Drake and Batgirl. They did a really good job with that. Yeah, one thing that uh, I think separates this show from all the like the later on DC animated shows is that, like, in this first iteration of Batman, before they moved to Kids WB, there wasn't a strong sense. I, I don't want to say there's not continuity, because obviously there is. They had... They had uh, Two-Face, and you saw the origins of all the villains before they would appear regularly. But um, there wasn't a lot of, like, episode-to-episode continuing uh, storylines, which, you know, I mean, I'm not complaining about, but um, it, gave a, it gave a lot of a more broad, general sense, more, epi- more of an episodic series than uh, what they would end up doing later on, like, like you said, introducing Tim and having Dip become Nightwing. 
You hear the you hear the Danny Elfman theme a lot in this. Yes. I have to wonder if maybe when Batman Returns was in production, if maybe I mean I would assume at the same time because the movie came out just a couple months before the show debuted. I would have to wonder if you know part of Danny Elfman's deal was okay. You know, do what you're going to do for this movie, but then also we need you to, you know, have uh, some normal themes that we can use them for mm-hmm. this cartoon. Well, yeah, there were uh, stipulations. I mean, they, they this this really isn't any like this obviously isn't the continuity as, as the Burton movies <laughs> because Batman doesn't kill people. But um, they the only thing that they were forced to do in relation to the movies was kind of design Penguin and Catwoman to mirror the Batman Returns design, say designs the actors. <laughs> You know, we didn't mention it earlier, but this is uh, one of the few episodes that uh, uh, Alfred's not voiced by Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, the actor who voiced him was Clive Revel. Yeah, he's in. He's in. I know at least one other episode, but uh, I believe it was three episodes total. But I don't know if it's the same guy in all three episodes. I just know that there was three episodes that Ephraim did not voice Alfred. Well, I mean, I remember in the commentary they say that like uh, I think that guy or whoever whoever was doing Alfred had a, had a theater schedule or something. They just they, he just couldn't work out, so they recast. And um, obviously, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. is uh, the quintessential Alfred. Although it is one of those things where you question is he is quintessential Alfred because he had so many uh, uh, moments to play him, or is it because he is so good? I like to think it's the latter. One of the other really good things about this show, specifically as it's shown now, is like Batman's detective element is is focused on heavily. It's not just yes. you know go round up the bad guys, beat them up, like we see a lot nowadays in the comics. There's a lot of uh, detective elements. Yeah, and it doesn't say like you know I'm going to do detecting Alfred. Like he just does it naturally. Yeah. Well, one thing I really like from that scene we just saw is that you can kind of hear the police sirens really far away. As though they were like outside of the building, and Batman doesn't notice until like the last second. It's almost like if you watch it again and again, you can kind of notice earlier. It's kind of cool. I like his uh, Cyclops visor. He has take a shot. <laughs> this is also kind of a thing where um, you get the idea that it's. I don't want to say it's early in Batman's career because later episodes kind of prove that he's been around for a while, but he's not exactly cozy with the cops just yet. They're kind, of, they're kind of treating him a little, a little bit more, um, uh, less personally. I agree. And the, the other thing that changes a lot is the relationship between Gordon and Bullock as well. It changes a lot as the episodes go on. It goes from, you know, them having their their different ideas on the how to, you know, deal with Batman to them kind of working on the same page later on down the road. Right. Uh, there was a previous commentary you did, Laughing Fish, where Bullock kind of went on his own, but he was a bit more working with Gordon as opposed to, like, almost, there was almost a rivalry in this episode. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I said it before, I, I do enjoy seeing Batman against the cops. Not because I'm anti-police or anything, but I, it's always really exciting whenever it does happen. Yeah, you, don't, you never see Batman do this in the, in the filmation cartoon. It's kind of like hide from the cops. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. And the, and the cops are trying to kill him. 
Yeah, there's a lot of really cool things. The fact that, you know, not, you know, I said the detective thing, but he also uses a ton of gadgets, which yeah. is really cool because even in the comics, you know, he might use some gadgets here and there, but I mean, just think about all the things he's used. He had the visor, he had the tweezers, he had the gas pellets. Yes, no, you're, no, you're right. And, um, he had the grapple gun earlier too. Yeah, the grapple gun and the bat rope and like, yeah. uh, yeah, no, he, he, it's like, because you don't want to say that like everything beforehand wasn't Batman necessarily, because that's not obviously the case, but this is like, uh, this really feels like, I don't know, it's just a lot, it just comes off a lot more, it doesn't, it doesn't insist upon itself exactly. I'm not sure how to say it. Hey, Bruce Wayne. Um, what do you think about, I mean, I, I don't exactly, I know we've done a couple of uh, commentaries on the redesigns, but like having, having seen Bruce Wayne now, what is your opinion on the general redesigns of the show later on? Because um, obviously this being the first episode, we see the initial designs of like Bruce and Batman and Alfred and everybody. Which do you prefer overall, this version or the later version? You know, there's there's a classic element that I like about the, the version that's shown here. Mm-hmm compared to the version of the new Adventures of Batman and Robin later on down the road. Um, I like the, the classic element a little bit better. Um, the, there's a lot of things about the newer style animation later on in the series that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, the way they redesigned some of the, the uh, characters and things like that. So I would have to say the classic. Yeah, I think they like the general design, because it kind of goes into Superman later on Justice League. I, I do like that design, but for Batman, it's a give and take a lot. Like, I, I really like this Bruce Wayne version, because the one that later on, like, in World's Finest, I, I just find him very, very kind of boring looking and static. And, like, this one I think has a bit more, it just kind of shows a bit more interesting personality. That one kind of has, it's a bit too boxy and stuff. You know, but, but conversely, I do see the appeal that of them being kind of slicker and uh, a bit... Uh, less detailed. And here's another thing that's really classic, taken from a lot of the comics, is is the uh, a lot of the Playboy element. The fact that he, you know, he's constantly like trying to uh, schmooze with the girls. Oh yeah, like when he uh, first meets Francine Langstrom, he's like, "Oh, miss." <laughs> it always made me laugh whenever he like kind of shifts his eyes, looking around like he's Batman. But this is also, again, kind of going back to, like, the 70s era. Like, the big thing with Man Bat was him and his wife. I don't remember if Dr. Marge is from the comics. I don't, I'm not sure if he is or not. But, like, uh, the relationship between Kirk Langstrom's testing and how it affected his wife was a big... Even to this day, they kind of still play with that in the New 52. Here we're going to see a big... Uh, Example of why Kevin Conroy is so awesome as Batman. <laughs> because of the voice thing. <laughs> it's really interesting because um, if you kind of compare before, I think I think Michael Keaton did lower his voice to a whisper when he was Batman, but um, hilar- there's a hilarious scene from the 60s show where Adam West proves that there's no difference between him and Batman's voice. But you see here how his, his natural voice is the Batman voice, and he puts on the Bruce Wayne voice. And it sounds really goofy. It's, it's a great, it's a great uh, performance. It's one of the things a lot of people love about Cameron Conroy's Batman.
I like that little throwback to the fact that it's Warner Brothers Animation. What's up, Doc? Yeah. Checks in the mail. Or the kid when he said, he's lying. I was really, I was like, ooh, he's lying. He lied to Batman. When I was when I was younger, um, I'm not sure how, how this affected you. But when I was younger, there were a few episodes where I legitimately did not understand what's going on, because they really do kind of play to an older audience here. I mean, obviously this was you know for Fox Kids, but they don't placate to younger audiences and children a lot. I mean, they kind of do when it comes to censors and like violence and stuff, but in terms of the plots, they don't really act like these these aren't adults dealing with each other. <laughs> Sort of like a Hammer Horror Frankenstein vibe here. So I think too, you see Batman in a silhouette, kind of highlighted by his costume, going like going in windows. He doesn't just like climb up the wall, talking to Robin. It's very kind of creepy and remote. Guided and the thief. It's a little convenient that like he starts monologuing <laughs> in the third act of the episode, and he's smiling, you know, rather casually. It took over, like he's like, as though he's not about to like transform and beat him up. I like this a lot. This is cool. It's in me, Batman. More ha 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 ha. This is really exciting. Holy crap. Possibly said that um, I think that the uh, comic book artist Kevin Nolan, who's done Batman work in the past, actually helped design Man Bat for the series. I remember, I remember reading that. Some I know a couple of comic artists helped design some of the villains, like uh, Mike McDonald designed Mister Freeze, but this is one of the few times where Bruce Timm didn't do the design for this character. This is actually, if you if you look at Manbat, he actually is pretty close to the way he originally appeared when he first came to be in the comics. It's not that far off. It's not like it's a very dramatic difference. Yeah, no, there's not like uh, like there's there's some like like uh, um, embellishes for the cartoon, obviously, you know, because like you know, kind of looks like cartoon. But yeah, it's not a radical departure like. Um, uh, for example, I don't remember seeing Two Faces' face be blue before this cartoon, so it was nothing like that. And I think, I mean, I think his first appearance was a Neil Adams comic, <laughs> Neil Adams comic, but um, I'm not exactly sure. 
It's actually funny because, you know, when he shoots the grapple gun and holds on to uh, Man-Bat as Man-Bat flies off, when Man-Bat actually appeared in the Batman the first time, it was like a very, very similar situation where Batman did the exact same thing. It was <laughs> oh, no. basically pulled along the, the, the skyline of Gotham by Man-Bat. That's, that's its entire last act. Wow. That's ironic because we... um. Hmm. I, I, whenever I did see the Batman, I do remember that, that it felt like they were really trying to not copy this show. Or, you know, I, I think it was obviously they were trying to not to copy the animated series, but like, uh, there weren't, there weren't too many times where I saw similarities, but that's hilarious that they kind of just cribbed the last act of this. Another thing is that, uh, with this, with this animated series, they kind of took the, uh, idea to make Gotham all have red skies, kind of really make it get, have it a moody atmosphere. The architecture and design of Gotham City as well is something that this, this show kind of incorporated. Uh, the Burt movies did have the Anton First designs, which make it look really kind of like um, stale and kind of moody. But this, I think, because it is animated, gives it a bit more, for lack of a better term, personality as a city. And it's cool because there's there's not a lot of times where like uh oh, it's kind of the small things in this show where Batman's not always talking. I mean he's talking to other people, but again like the old cartoons. And this is probably just the way cartoons are made. Had the characters talking all the time, referring to everybody by name. Here he you know like as though he's a real person. He just you know says silent. I do like how violent the the, the uh, action gets a little bit later on. That thing is what we're after. Did you ever read any of the um, animated uh, adaptions of, the, of this cartoon? Like, you know, like the Batman anime comics? It was actually one of the first comics I ever had. Really? Yeah, the one of the first comic series that I ever read or got into was uh, the Batman animates or the Batman... It was like uh, the Batman Adventures. Yeah, the Batman Adventures or something. There was a bunch of different ones. the The original series that first launched to coincide with the animated series. I came in in like issue thirty four. Uh, uh, f- a friend of the family got me a subscription to it, and then as it changed over to the Batman Adventures, and there was um, yeah, there was like a five issue mi- mini series, and there was a Batman Robin. Um, there was a bunch of different ones. It all changed as the, the the progress of the show changed. Uh, the Batman Adventures was more focused on um, the later animation style, but there was the Batman and Robin Adventures. I believe there was one just Batman and Robin. Right. There was one that was um, Gotham Adventures. Yeah, Gotham Adventures. There was a bunch of them. So there, there. Uh, What's what's really interesting about it is that that's how I first came into into comics was through that. That's awesome. I I, I remember one of my first comics was uh, uh, it was a Poison Ivy issue, the Batman and Robin, the, the Batman Adventures. I don't actually don't remember what happened in it, but I remember seeing that cover. Um, 
in the Batman and Robin Adventures version of the comic, when uh, there's like, I forget the issue number, but um, I recently bought it again on Comixology, where Man Bat actually finds his way in the Batcave and Batman and Robin are looking for him. Um, I love those comics. I mean, those those are great. I mean, I, I they help me kind of get into the character as well. And um, the, the specifically the the Gotham Adventures ones, they ran for years after that series had ended. I mean, they were running well into like when Justice League was on the air up to issue sixty. And I really, I have, I have nearly a full run of that uh, that title. But um, that's not that you know that. I, I, I would recommend people who like this show and who like Batman to check those out because those are pretty pretty fun. So we are basically at the end here of this episode. Is there any uh, final thoughts we have to say for this first episode of Another Weeks? You know, like I said earlier, it does set it does set up the series and the idea of what they were trying to go for right from the beginning. The fact that there's a lot of focus on the detective element, a lot of focus on the relationships between the characters, as I said, between Gordon and, and Bullock and how that will eventually progress. The fact that you actually see Batman using a lot of the gadgets. I mean, we even get a shot of the Batmobile, even if it was for a very short amount of time. There's a lot of different elements that were pulled straight from not just one specific comic, but a number of different comics throughout time. And I think they did a really good job of, like, basically setting it up to say, hey, this is what we're aiming for, this is what we want to do, and, you know, that's what that's that's basically what we got. So I, I, it's completely, it's not, it's not at all surprising that the show got picked up for as long as it did and aired for as many years as it did, just because they did a remarkably good job, especially very early on, because most of the time you'll watch the first episode of a show and it necessarily, and I say this, most of the time this is pertaining to a live action show. You watch the first episode that they made and it's not necessarily as good, but then once the second episode comes along, they start to get in their groove and it's mm-hmm. because they didn't necessarily have the budget to do a decent pilot. Here you don't really see that big of a difference. I mean, there's a couple differences. Obviously, Kevin Conroy's not going to be voicing a random police blimp pilot and you know down the line uh we have very specific cast members that are going to stay consistent throughout the entire series but i mean for the most part there's not a lot of quality issues with the episode that's make you think oh well i don't know if this is really what we want maybe we want to do something else there it doesn't really there's nothing like that that happens so i think they did a really good job with this episode yeah, I think it's spectacular. I think it looks really nice. If, you know, if a bit, it looks a bit musty because that's just the age of the animation. But um, it's like the mood is great, the atmosphere is great, the look of it is great. Like just the, the body language of some of the characters, um, the fact that they went with a you know a lesser known bat. They, they didn't go with obviously like you know everybody says the Joker or the Riddler or the Penguin. They didn't do that. They went with um, a die in the wall Batman villain. And, you know, they made it interesting. I mean, I don't think they changed much, but, like, they kind of showed uh, new audiences, like, what he can't, he can't go up against. And they did it with such, like, just, like, uh, craft, really. You know, they set up the GCPD with Gordon Bullock and, and Hamilton Hill and Harvey Dent. They set up the idea of, like, you know, how Batman operates. He's not exactly relying on the police. You know, he's not fighting, you know, he's, he's not exactly fighting them, but he's not exactly, like, you know, uh, he's helping them more than just talking with them. Basically, like, like, everything that people thought Batman was, this showed you what he really was from the comics, and that's, that's always appreciative for us Bat fans. So, I mean, I mean, there's no, I mean, obviously, like, this was the first episode of, of Batman the Animated Series, 
it had to be awesome, and it was, and it, it still is. Yeah, and the the one other thing I just want to bring up that I didn't really mention earlier was picking Man Bat straight off the bat as the villain to focus on is a really interesting choice, specifically because instead of choosing Joker or Two-Face or Riddler or some of the characters that are much more well-known, they went with somebody who really, like, well, like I said earlier, never appeared in any of the animated series prior to this, mm-hmm. never really had any action figures made as part of some some action figure line. There was nothing like that. So I think it's really interesting that basically they pulled a, a character straight from the comics and said, this is what we want to do. Now, I remember listening to the commentary for this episode, and they said that, uh, that I remember Bruce Tim said during the commentary that they did for the episode that Mambit fit into the categories of mystery, mood, and dramas, as well as superhero action sequences, and he was specifically chosen for the first episode because he wasn't familiar to very many people outside of the comic book fans. Um, it wasn't like the Joker or where you had to deal with people expecting him to be a specific character like Jack Nicholson or Cesar Romero. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, they did a really good job because, you know, at the heart of it, one of the main reasons a lot of these shows are really successful is they have to have, a, you know, a, a decent core fan group. And people who were reading the comic books who might have saw Batman and Batman Returns and been like, well, those were good, but, you know, that's not exactly how the comics have it. You know, this was another avenue for them to explore and say, hey, let's see what this has to offer. And especially with this first episode out the gate, I mean, that's a really, it's a really good way of comparing things to the comics and saying, hey, this is basically some, like, a couple comic issues animated, and it's a really cool idea. So I think they did a really good job with that. Um, the other, I mean, obviously, we, we, we'll see the Joker in future episodes. We'll see Catwoman and other characters that were much more prominent at the time. But I think it's interesting that they just chose Man Bat right off the begin, right out of the gate to, to basically be the villain for the first issue or for the first episode, even though Man Bat was relatively unknown except for comic book fans. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's almost like, I, want, I almost want to say it's kind of a brave because, you know, uh, if they did, like, like for instance, because this was kind of all coming off the heels or really close to Batman Returns, you would expect them to at least, you know, show you, well, this is what we're doing. I know you like the movie. Here's these villains that you're expecting. But, you know, it just, it, it's almost like, it's almost like, um, they didn't need the Burton films to be out around that time. Now, obviously, like, you know, it's well known that, like, because the first movie was so successful, it, it led to this being created, but, um, this series stands so independently from that series to be, in terms of influence that uh, it really, it really, it's a testament. This episode is a testament to how independent it was. You know, it didn't need the iconography of what you were expecting besides the basic characters like Batman and Alfred. Um, you know, I mean, Robin wasn't in this episode. We didn't need to see Robin, you know, derping around, <laughs> um, providing color commentary. You know, they kind of showed like, like Batman as a loner is how, typically how he's tended to be portrayed. Uh, but that's all we have for this episode. You can find this and other commentaries on the Batman Universe commentaries feed at thebatmanuniverse.net, as well as the other podcasts, the Batman Universe main podcast, the Batman Universe comic cast, the Batfans podcast, Batgirl to Oracle, Batgirl podcast, um, Everybody Loves the Drake, a Robin, Tim Drake podcast, Taking Flight, the Batman Universe specials, TBU Collected, and is there anything I'm leaving out? You can just always email us suggestions of other commentaries you'd love to hear at podcast at the Batman Universe.net 
Ugh, let me rephrase that. You can always leave us, you can always send us an email at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with any suggestions of commentaries you'd like to hear in the future, as well as just join our Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and YouTube for all these news and videos. But also with the Facebook group, there's a lot of discussions always going on. A lot of the episodes we've actually been focusing on recently have been through suggestions on the Facebook group and from suggestions emailed to us. So just be sure that if you want something you would like us to do an episode and get a commentary for, just be sure to contact one of the contact us one of those ways. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Dustin. Um, yes, so for this episode of Batman Universe Commentaries, this is Donovan. This is Dustin. And you've been watching Batman the Anime Series with us. We will see you guys on the next commentary. Take care. Bye. change again? No. The formula's out of his system. It's over. For now.